From the Lean Enterprise Institute in Boston, this is the WLEI Podcast, where we share stories of people making the world better through lean thinking and practice. For more information about LEI, including how we can help you apply lean thinking, please visit lean.org. Welcome to the WLEI Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Savas. Today, we're talking to Mehmet Gur from DHL eCommerce. Mehmet is the Senior Director of Operations Engineering, where he leads a large-scale technical team of 60 professionals to power and improve DHL's B2C business operations. His extensive experience spans 12 years with DHL, four with NATO Scientific Decision Support Center, and two years with the Turkish Navy. Mehmet will be leading a learning session at LEI's 2024 Lean Summit, instructing on automation, specifically how to close the gap between theoretical and actual throughput to realize equipment's full potential using tools like value stream mapping and scientific problem solving. Register by October 31st to save up to $900 on your registration. Head over to lean.org summit to learn more. Hello, Mehmet, and welcome to the WLEI podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks, Matt, for inviting me. Um, so as usual, we'll just start off with uh, just some basic background information, give our listeners a sense of, of who you are and what you do. You're from DHL e-commerce, but can you share you know, what your responsibilities are at DHL e-commerce, Mehmet, and also, what that business unit is responsible for. I think most people will be familiar with DHL, um, but provide a, a bit more um, so we, we know exactly what, what you all do. Yeah, sure. Uh, DHL e-commerce is uh, one of the four business units under DHL group. And the division is uh, focused on uh, 100% servicing B- B2 customers, uh, merchants uh, such as like shipping lightweight packages and that's uh, being done uh, domestically and internationally so the division that I am uh, in is a part of uh, the United States and we have uh, 19 uh, distribution uh, centers within United States uh, my role is uh, I am the senior uh, director of operations uh, engineering um, under this umbrella, there are two groups, uh, industrial engineering, uh, which is uh, responsible for processes, uh, e- efficiency planning, and then uh, automation operations group responsible for uh, maintenance, reliability and operations. And uh, my, my background is uh, based on, uh, I have a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering, master's degree in uh, industrial and systems engineering from USC. And throughout the uh, company's internal uh, courses, uh, I uh, made to senior advisor level, which is a, a black belt level uh, equivalent uh, within hmm. uh, Lean Matters. Again, I think most people are familiar with DHL. It's one of the largest global shipping companies, along with FedEx, UPS. But could you give a sense of the kind of volume that you guys do? I mean, maybe annually, how many packages run through your operations? Yeah, so uh, the the numbers uh, really uh, expanded uh, uh, pre-pandemic uh, level mm-hmm. uh, that... Uh, 
resulted us uh, opening more uh, distribution centers or ex ex expanding them. Uh, and uh, as a result, uh, we have, uh, in regards to uh, automation uh, sake, uh, uh, we are uh, doubling, uh, we want to double automation across the uh, e-commerce network in uh, United uh, States. Obviously, the volumes uh, uh, varies between the uh, seasons, uh, uh, but uh, as I mentioned, uh, there is a uh, rise in e-commerce volume since uh, the pandemic, so we are adapting uh, the customer demands accordingly. So you, you spoke a little bit about automation. That's in fact what you are going to be talking about. So Mehmet, you're one of our speakers who's going to be at the Lean Summit in March. Uh, you're going to be leading a learning session around the subject of, of automation. This specifically talking about um, trying to close the gap between the theoretical throughput automation claims it's capable of achieving with the actual throughput you realize after implementation. That's a huge problem, I think. Most businesses deal with the promise of automation is, is always great. The reality of implementing it is terrifically hard. Before we dive into the specifics of that, what role, even at a high level, I mean, what? how important is automation to DHL's business? Yeah, so uh, again, from the anchoring point, uh, increasing volumes, uh, adapting the demand and meeting uh, customers' expectation, uh, DHL invests more than... Uh, 300 million dollar in booming e-commerce business mm. and uh, automation investments is a big uh, part of it and as i mentioned we are planning to uh, double the automation usage in uh, e-commerce network as you as you consider implementing new automation tools what factors are you considering what's important as you're evaluating the different options and implementing First, we always look into customers and what uh, customer demands are, making sure we match the customer demands. And uh, on top of those uh, customer uh, demands, we have uh, committed uh, service levels uh, based on different uh, shipping uh, uh, speeds. We want to make sure we uh, match that committed uh, product types based on the shipping speeds. Uh, the second, we, we want to make sure uh, the environment we set up uh, for our uh, employees uh, are uh, accordingly based on health and safety. And I think uh, automation, uh, when, if we, when we look at it into automation, uh, we want to make sure uh, that environment is uh, set up accordingly. So automation helps uh, a lot in that, in that regard. And as well as we are also considering uh, how many times uh, we uh, touch a specific package and minimizing those uh, number of uh, touch uh, points and all uh, the lean foundational things also we are also considering uh, minimizing the rehandling re uh, to enable uh, uh, all of those things uh, we think will enable uh, uh, best and most uh, optimal prices for customers. And you know, what are some what are some major challenges or problems that you all face in the business that automation helps address? So the uh, one of the uh, items again we're talking about uh, 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 
customer delivery speed and mm-hmm. some of the uh, processing uh, times and the win- windows and shipping speed. And customers want uh, packages to be delivered at a certain uh, speed and the quality metrics. I think automation uh, has helped uh, in that uh, uh, tremendously. As well as uh, automation make uh, our uh, facilities more uh, uh, ergonomic, uh, uh, minimizing, uh, lifting, lowering, uh, all that things uh, helps uh, uh, for our uh, employees to work in the most uh, ergonomic environment, uh, as well as uh, automation helps uh, for us to give customers the best uh, prices, uh, which is uh, by minimizing number of touches on each uh, package. Okay, and uh, let's let's dive into the topic that you're going to be speaking about at the summit. It's this idea of trying to realize the theoretical throughput that automation promises um, versus the actual throughput you achieve after implementation. Can you share, before we go into how you address the problem, can you just explain kind of the scope of, of that problem? Yeah, so also in order to piggyback with other uh, question, when we p- plan to purchase an automation, there's a cradle-to-grave uh, type of process. So what uh, size of the automation equipment, which uh, processes that will be for, what uh, will be the throughput, uh, required throughput, and uh, other uh, digital features, uh, any kind of connection to uh, artificial intelligence, back-end systems and such. Once we uh, consider all of those, uh, there is obviously a selection, vetting process and purchasing uh, type of uh, process. After uh, those uh, kind of process, we have uh, on-site testing, uh, acceptance testing, factory, and also on-site level acceptance testing. And then uh, there is this uh, deployment stage for uh, operations. And then you get the good use out of the equipment, like, you know, purchasing a car. So uh, what uh, what's happening, and I think within the industry, uh, if you go to one of those, like, uh, material handling trade shows, uh, things like that, so you can really uh, get a good feeling of what's in the market in regards to sortation systems, uh, dimensional weighing systems, robots and such. So it's it's widely available. So, uh, and, uh, you know, companies are purchasing them and investing and, and, and such, uh, uh, looking into those factors, which which is great now. What I see uh, most of the time is being missed. So I purchased an equipment that provides X amount of throughput per hour or uh, that will minimize this quality uh, effects that will help on this. So, you know, what you purchase on the shop and then on the shop floor is different. Uh, in order to uh, address that, uh, I thought uh, lean thinking and lean methodologies would be uh, re- really helpful 
in order to really leverage the most out of the capital expenditure. So is uh, the studies uh, all around that? How can we get best out of our investment? Well, you you install the equipment, you begin to run it, and you realize there's a gap, like you said, between what you purchase and what's actually happening. Um, how large is that gap? And then you said you used you know, lean principles or lean tools in the summit, you're specifically going to be talking about value stream mapping. But, you know, how did, how did you see that gap exist and how did you close it? So again, uh, I think uh, based on the, the summit features and uh, also based on the de- developing this, this technology, I look at the, uh, the, the opportunity as a, how can I uh, develop uh, the industrial engineers here? Like a Gamba, uh, you know, you look into problems and how to see them. And then uh, our, uh, accordingly, uh, the industrial engineers under a value stream map uh, has been grouped and the necessary uh, training uh, was uh, provided. So, and then the first uh, step, we defined the pr- problem uh, by looking at the flow and observing and the steps uh, that uh, from an injection point to the automation equipment. And then uh, when we take the flow out of the operation uh, automation equipment. So all there are six, seven uh, steps that were diligently uh, looked at it with uh, related uh, time and motion studies and uh, under the value stream map flow. And uh, uh, as a uh, result, we identified an opportunity uh, around uh, handling uh, rejects based on uh, how uh, fast we run the automation equipment. And uh, in regards to eliminate that, we set up some design of experiment. So in this uh, automation equipment uh, uh, that we studied as an opportunity, there are different uh, speeds uh, that uh, the machine can uh, run and then that speed uh, dictates how fast the pieces are being injected on the machine. So that's uh, that's like the second to the third uh, uh, process step once uh, pieces are being injected uh, to the machine. Then it goes to dimensional weighing and scanning tunnel and then also based on the re- uh, barcode read information, it uh, sends, uh, uh, communicates to the uh, diverting arms and then uh, pieces are sorting into their final uh, de- destination. But we, uh, once we look into all that value uh, stream flow, we identify the opportunity around the correlation between the reject rates and then the, how uh, fast the machine is, is run. And then uh, the, the the result is uh, to put the uh, uh, large problem in a simple matter, uh, slow down to speed up. Uh, based on the design of experiments. Then it, it comes down to, again, from a lean uh, leadership and thinking perspective, how you uh, cooperate and work with uh, 
local uh, operations team and explaining them and create buy-in and then uh, getting uh, towers uh, implementation and uh, control uh, phases, which were uh, uh, successfully implemented. And uh, uh, one of the uh, key points is to, uh, again, from an industrial engineering perspective, to set up a, a proper design of experiment. So, and the uh, design of experiment was set up based on a, you, you run speed at uh, level five, then you have this many uh, percentage of rejects, seven, that, etc. Then, uh, based on incorporating the operators and necessary uh, uh, employees, uh, the numbers that we uh, generated and how it was uh, running before at the higher speeds uh, were generated less uh, reject rates, uh, which is which means less uh, rehandling and uh, obviously reject is one of those type of seven ways that should be uh, eliminated at all times. Okay. So, all right, so uh, through this value stream mapping activity, you discovered some relationship between the speed you were running, the equipment, and the reject rate, and then designing some experiments using that PDCA cycle. You observed that if you were to slow down the machine ever so much, the reject rate would go down and total throughput would go up, even though you were slowing the machine down because rejects were we're going down. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Are you struggling to implement change inside your organization? Then join us at the 2024 Lean Summit in Carlsbad, California on March 19th and 20th with optional workshops on the 21st and 22nd. Dive deep into the transformative power of Lean and immerse yourself in inspiring keynotes and practical learning sessions. This year's theme is Shaping Tomorrow, Developing People and offers game-changing insights and actionable strategies for today's toughest business challenges. And here's a special tip for our listeners. Register by October 31st and save up to $900 on your registration. Don't miss out on this opportunity to expand your expertise and connect with like-minded leaders. Learn more at lean.org slash summit. Now, back to the podcast. I'm curious, Mehmet, and you, you joined, uh, so you were at our summit last year and we had this interesting learning session by um, an LEI faculty member. His name's Hong Lee. Hong is, uh, he doesn't call himself an automation expert, but Hong, I don't know, I would call him an automation expert. And he spends a lot of time thinking about how to evaluate uh, investment in automation because uh, it's a big purchase. Uh, it's not just expensive, but once the equipment's installed, it's probably not going anywhere for a really long time. Uh, part of that is the financial benefit. You can depreciate it over time. Also, just practically, uh, once you integrate it into your software, its size is significant. Uh, so when you make a purchase, you're making a purchase for probably you know a long, long time. I'm curious, you know, as you're evaluating automation equipment, what is the process you use? What is on your mind? If you could go back in time, what would you want to be able to kind of say or or redo in in looking at equipment? Yeah, like you said, uh, this uh, automation uh, equipments that are uh, usually the 
it usually covers most now now all the days uh, all the footprint within the distribution center and those distribution center varies between 200 to half million uh, thousand square foot so and then uh, commissioning efforts uh, again like uh, varies between uh, if you include the vendor internal uh, stakeholders uh, it varies between uh, 10 to sometimes 100 if you include the IT software etc so this is not something that like uh, you know uh, short that you can uh, return back to a store so uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah uh, you don't so, put it in uh, a minivan and return it back yeah, to Best Buy. Please. You know, once yeah. you have it, you kind of have it. Well, you make an interesting point too. You know, it's cross-functional to purchase. I think uh, too many folks see it as sort of an operations decision, the purchase of automation. But once you buy that thing, you're probably going to have to work with IT. Uh, finance, of course, will have a big say in it. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's a hugely complex um, purchase. Yeah, and I have been in this uh, automation uh, part uh, since uh, the uh, Turkish Naval Academy. My uh, background is mechanical engineering. I was trying to design thermoacoustic coolers, uh, then work on uh, naval uh, frigates, uh, different types of it, and then within the within DHL. Uh, I've been with the company now uh, over twelve years. Uh, I've seen so many different uh, automation uh, equipment and uh, going back to your question in regards to like uh, uh, what what makes the best uh, out of the, those purchases and what would it change. So even you are at a naval frigate or a distribution center or uh, manufacturing facility I also worked on. Uh, combining and optimizing uh, different manufacturing uh, facilities, you want to make sure that automation really serves, number one, serves the business uh, purpose and the customers. And the other part is really works for the easiness of operators because operators really will be reluctant to use the automation and there's like a big change management effort as well. Like, you know, we are saying we want to double the automation effort. That means uh, we are doing some of the things manually. So that's a big change management over there. So you really want to uh, show uh, operators that uh, the automation helps uh, and makes uh, their day-to-day uh, -day lives uh, easier. So they, you got to collect all the piece from uh, stakeholder perspective, customer perspective, and also create the buy-in within the distribution center. If you collect all those cycles, then you have a successful implementation. If one of them fails, then it's not successful. And there's a bunch of stories in regards to uh, uh, how things uh, can be uh, successful. And it's, it's, it's over there. And then when you make a mistake for this kind of purchases it's a big mistake you can just uh, put it in a van and back to the store and you gotta live with it uh, so in this uh, study again 
we we want to make sure uh, we are touching all of those uh, touch points uh, we are minimizing the reject rates it means uh, less rehandling re so we can provide those uh, most effective rates for our customers make our services also again handling rejects again another burden on operators so we are also uh, addressing that and we min minimizing that also we are making sure we get the best out of uh, our uh, investment and uh, everyone uh, sees that as like a useful uh, tool basically uh, within that four wall uh, and also uh, one of the point uh, of this summit is like training and building uh, employees and uh, i think in that regard like how industrial engineers can uh, advance themselves uh, within this uh, changing uh, environment uh, so in this uh, study a uh, couple of my engineers worked on uh, in my team and they uh, understand really you know uh, looking at the things in a different way like a gamba and learning to see what was what was new about that for them what was, how is that a learning experience for them well i think the biggest one is like uh, you have some t theoretical uh, throughput and then you put that theoretical throughput over a plan and it gives you a, a number but that but that number if it doesn't uh, factualize on the shop floor is different so that also goes back to we can build all those uh, software things which is great and all these planning features but again if we don't look at them like uh, from a lean mentality and lean thinking that's a one-legged story so we want to make sure all those plans and they have uh, they have grounds and they have standing bases and they are very close to what's happening actually and then working towards improving so again uh, uh, one of my reasons i wanted to submit this abstract that uh, the lean summit uh, in 2023 really uh, impressed me uh, why a uh, couple reasons like uh, the President Josh mentioned uh, how Lean found me. Uh, that really Im impressed me. Then also, I also remember how Lean, lean, lean uh, all those uh, techniques uh, found me. Then I also have this impression how I can uh, replicate to my team. Also, that uh, another uh, session that you mentioned that we discussed in, in, in details how uh, we decide on uh, automation equipments. Uh, benefits and how we measure their KPIs and what are the things we, we are looking at. I think that's a great uh, collaborative uh, session and uh, great information uh, was shared. Another session also inspired me during that Lean Summit was uh, this uh, Yamazumi study. That also uh, really, uh, so it, it was about construction, but also, when you look into this automation project, they are also construction. So how can we make this more efficient and minimize the uh, installation time and creeps? And uh, by the way, uh, that inspired me and uh, we, we leveraged that uh, with uh, one of those automation uh, relocations. Uh, hmm. 
So we also relocate time to time. We minimize that. Well, we also relocate time to time that automation equipment, uh, you know, not uh, every uh, so often, but uh, we, we do. But uh, when that's uh, like a construction project that uh, takes uh, so uh, many times of uh, different type of uh, resources, like from like controls engineer to master uh, mechanics and mechanics, electrical uh, engineering. And when it goes down to uh, how uh, you change the design or the electrical parameters from when you move A to B. So it's like a, a good size uh, project and the Yamazumi methodology that inspired me during that session uh, was really uh, uh, helpful. Uh, towers uh, making those relocations or build-ups efficiently for us. Hmm. Well, uh, I'm pleased you took so much away from last year's uh, summit. For those unfamiliar with it, Yamazumi, it's uh, another term for it is work balance chart. And it's a way to, uh, well, first visualize uh, the steps of work that need to get done. And then you can figure out how to say balance it against uh, a rate of demand. Uh, also, where you have Kaizen opportunities so that you can, uh, for instance, reduce the number of, of, of workers that you need to do a job or meet a new rate of demand should it go up or down. So, you know, you said something interesting earlier about, um, you know, developing your engineers and they have the theoretical throughput, but then, you know, automation always, you know, it confronts reality at some point. And, um, yeah, I think there's, you know, um, you know, the, the, the challenge is, is always getting something to realize it's, it's full potential. Um, but to do that, you need to get away from the Excel spreadsheets in the math and you need to actually go see what's happening. Um, otherwise, you're not going to have a clear understanding of, of, of what's going on. Um, I remember I took a uh, I took a class. I was too dumb to understand the math, but conceptually I could on stochastic models. You probably took this at some point because you're an industrial engineer, yeah. but I was too stupid to understand it. Um, but I remember this tremendous math going up and trying to sort of create models, for example, emergency room departments for nurses to be able to, to handle chaotic situations. And I just kept thinking to myself, I was imagining one of these engineers going in front of a group of, of nurses and explaining the model, you know, Hey, well, we got it all under control, everybody. Here's the, and I'm just thinking, Oh, this is, there's no way this is going to work. You know, this is a, this is a difficult environment. And, you know, the people who are actually executing this are, are not industrial engineers. <laughs> and so they're probably not going to care so much about your model. It's very different from reality. Um, you know, something else I want to explore with you, Mehmet, is, you know, the, the, the pace of change in technology is, is it's evolving rapidly. And in that learning session last year with uh, Hong Lee, you know, he talked about AI. You know, AI is on everybody's mind these days. You mentioned it earlier too. You're talking about how AI could possibly integrate with automation. Um, I myself am a huge ChatGPT fan. I use it every single day. It's extraordinary. Um, but you know, what does AI look like in in logistics these days, or what what is DHL exploring, or what's on the mind of of 
of you guys as, as you're thinking through the future of automation? Yeah. So in order uh, for uh, an AI model to work, so it, uh, it, it needs to see and it needs to process that information. Obviously, there are different models like supervised and unsupervised, things like that. Uh, so we, we, we think the biggest uh, opportunity where around the automation equipment is where uh, automation can see, which are the scanners and the robotic cells we deploy. Uh, so the efficiently uh, they uh, process the live information and then uh, mimic that uh, information uh, and then process that information uh, towards uh, make the flow, I would say, ease, easy. Uh, either it's a robot or a, a, a camera. I think uh, those are the uh, opportunities uh, uh, lies within uh, the automation equipment. And so there are uh, some uh, uh, features that can be used, like uh, making uh, forklift operation uh, safe uh, or uh, loading type of operation or unloading uh, type of operation uh, more efficient. Uh, so those are the uh, areas that AI can bring benefit. And it's already bringing uh, the, the required uh, benefit and uh, being uh, used uh, within uh, some projects. But area that, that really, really requires development, yeah. Okay. But initially you were talking about information processing? So being able to what, what does that mean exactly? Like vision to read a label or to see the size, the dimensions of a package or what do you mean by that? Uh, both in that case, in that example, right? So uh, one of the thing is like uh, this automation equipments have uh, dimensional uh, weight uh, tunnels, uh, and uh, those uh, and scan tunnels, so which captures the dimensions, uh, weights, and uh, some kind of uh, obviously scanning information, and then uh, all those uh, events are uh, some kind of like uh, data collection points. Now, what you do with that, and how you process that information. Uh, and then AI can be extremely useful. Mm. Or, uh, or uh, if you like in a manufacturing level, right? So in manufacturing uh, level, uh, robots are there uh, since uh, 50s, 60s, 70s. Mm. Uh, how the logistics can adapt those uh, robots? So, and then the challenge uh, there is uh manufacturing is, is one, one piece flow you 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 have the frame you have uh, the other tires and goes up to another now uh there's that time window for the 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 robot or the robotic arm etc to understand and then process it 
but now we are looking into flows like 20,000 pieces per hour, 10,000 pieces per hour. Now that processing window really, uh, really, really narrow. Now, uh, based on that uh, flow, how the robotic arm or uh, the, the, the component of a robot understands that information processes then uh, moves on to next process so the foundation doesn't change it's still like uh, how it's been used within manufacturing but how you do it with uh, while well, you have uh, tens of thousands of packages are flowing within the sa same line with that speed uh, so uh, if this detection algorithms and the vision uh, algorithms uh, as they improve, I think that will add uh, benefit in that uh, regards, catching up with that speed. Well, um, thank you, Mehmet, here for uh, joining me here on the WLEI podcast. Appreciate you uh, spending some time with me and also appreciate you joining us at the summit next March. Looking forward to you sharing more about uh, your work and how you use lean thinking to improve uh, the automation and logistics operation at DHL e-commerce. So thanks again, Mehmet. Appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. It's my pleasure. Thank you. I'd like to thank Mehmet for joining me on the podcast. You'll have a chance to learn directly from him and 25 plus other business leaders from companies like Honda, Miller Knoll, Ohio Health, and Boeing at the Lean Summit in March 2024. Learn more at lean.org slash summit. And thanks to you all for listening.